Thanks for joining us today. This is the last message in our November series, No Worries, and was presented on Sunday, November 24th. Pastor Allen discusses how being a good steward of everything God gives us can eliminate worry. If you enjoyed this series, we'd love to hear from you. You can connect with us at crosschurch.life slash connect. Enjoy. Well, it's hard to believe we've come to the end of our series called No Worries. And uh, in case you haven't been around, let me just remind you that we are talking about worrying, uh, about a life of worry-free living. Uh, I'm not teaching you how to worry, although I probably could. But we're, I want to teach you how to live a worry-free life. And I'm going to tell you, it takes time to, to learn how to do that. And it's, it, there's a discipline involved in that. And I'm going to talk about that, the discipline of living worry-free. Before I do that, I want to sh- just open by sharing with you um, a testimony of one of the people of our church. In fact, it's a person that goes to our, our, our uh, small group. And uh, this person says, after such a great Bible study on Sunday night, I felt so refreshed. I had been saving my tithes, but decided that I should figure out how to give online. And it took me a while, but I figured it out all by myself. Well, today, after sending that lump sum, I got this surprise check in the mail that I surely was not expecting. And it was from Veterans Affairs, and they said that they had underpaid my husband from 2003 to 2010, and as his widow, I was deserving of it. It is free and clear of taxes even. How good is God? And she says, it's almost the same amount as I sent. What a testimony to obeying God's word, eh? You can tell this person's a Canadian. (laughs) Eh? I knew I had to do it that night. It was on my mind so strong to get it done. God is so good. Amen? Amen. Well, over the past uh, four weeks, I've gotten uh, a lot of, of great feedback, people very excited about, about trust in God. How many understand today, when you become a Christian, you're not, just, you're not just practicing religious rituals. You're entering into a relationship with God where you begin to experience the supernatural at work in your life. In fact, you, you know that, that the great things that are happening in your life are not coincidence. It's supernatural. It's divine. Very important that we understand that. So here's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about the fact that you and I are stewards. And last week, we talked about a brand new lifestyle where we, uh, we lay up treasure in heaven, not on earth, where we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and, and experience God's rich provision in our life. So this is the lifestyle of the believer, but now I want to talk to you about what it means to be a steward. And here's what Jesus himself says in Luke chapter 12. In case you don't know, we've been studying Luke chapter 12, and I hope that all of us have read chapter 12 now. If you're in a small group, then I know that you've already read it, but but do read it, uh, and and you'll see how giving and how worry-free living go hand in hand. So here's what Jesus says. He says, a faithful sensible steward is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing. Now, the question that I have for you today is this. Can God entrust to you 
his rich provision. Can God entrust to you his rich provision? And can God entrust more to you than what you already have? You see, for a lot of people, they're saying, God, give me, my, give me more, give me more, and then I'll give. And God says, no, give, and then I'll give you more. This is the way it works in the life of the believer. And some people go on living in poverty forever because they never will take that step of faith to say, God, I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to give. And I'm not going to just give the bare minimum. I'm going to give generously. I'm going to be a hilarious giver because that's what it says in the scripture. God loves a generous or a hilarious giver. You're giving as somebody who has no cares. <laughs> Take all my money. It's, it's almost like that. Uh, not quite. Um, understand that God, God, if God sees it, he cannot entrust money to you or entrust more to you, then he's, uh, he's not going to. I will say this to you, for some people you think, man, if I just win the lottery, uh, then I'm gonna give lots to the work of God. And God says, I don't need, I don't need lots, I just need you to give from your heart. Because what is it that God wants at the end of the day? He wants your heart, right? That's what he wants, he wants your heart. He doesn't need your money, he already owns it. You, you understand what I'm saying? The Bible says that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. God owns it all. It all belongs to him. And he has distributed it, and he has entrusted it to you, and he expects that you will be a good steward of what has been entrusted to you. Now, I've seen people win money in lotteries and, and get money in inheritances, and it always astounds me at how quickly it's all gone, how quickly it's misspent. It's, it, it amazes me how people's lives are ruined, actually, because of the money that's been given to them that has not been earned, that's gotten by chance or by luck. So understand this, that if you are going to be one of those people that experiences God's provision in your life in, in, in great ways, then you are going to have to learn how to be a good steward of what you have now. Because if you can't be a steward, a good steward of what you have now, God cannot entrust more to you. Does everybody understand that? Do you get it? Got it. So here it is. Jesus describes Christians as stewards, responsible for managing what has been entrusted to us. And how many know today that we live in truly one of the richest countries of the world? in the top 20 richest nations in the world. In case you don't know what a steward is, let me tell you what Merriam-Webster's dictionary says. A steward is one employed in a large household or estate to manage domestic concerns, such as the supervision of servants, the collection of rents, keeping of accounts, etc. A steward is a financial agent. Now, some of you... Uh, like me, may share Danny Chow as your financial uh, steward, your, your financial agent, the one who takes care of, of, your, um, uh, of your retirement income. When I, when I send my money over to Denny, I do not expect that Denny's going to go on, go to Hawaii or go on a vacation or buy a new car with my, with my money. You understand what I'm saying? He's an agent. What's his job? His job is to make sure that it grows so that when I retire, I'll have my income and I'll be all ready and set to go. 
A financial agent is not the recipient of a gift. He is a steward. Does this make sense to everybody? And we've all heard in the news of people who are supposed to be financial stewards, financial agents, and they have blown it off uh, on themselves. Has anybody ever heard of Bernie Madoff with a big Ponzi scheme? Blew, I think, billions of dollars because he thought that the money he was collecting from people was, was for him to use as he pleased. Listen, we shake our heads and we think, what a, what a dirty, good-for-nothing man that he would steal and use these resources that were not his, and yet we do it all the time. In fact, Malachi, the prophet, actually accuses Israel of doing that very thing. He accuses them of stealing, of robbing God. And you know that when, you, when God entrusts things to you, when he trusts resources to you, you don't get to do whatever you want with them. Really, oh man, I, I, I got a windfall from the government. Yay, it's for me. No, you have to say, God, how do you want me to use this? This is literally how Gloria and I live our lives. Every nickel, every penny we get, we're asking God, how do you want us to use this? And we've taught our children to do exactly the same thing. So my question is this, are you a true steward? Are you a true financial agent of God or are you a robber? Thirdly, a steward is one who, can, who actively directs business. He's a manager. So here's the thing, folks. Here you are living in North America, one of the richest countries uh, in the world, and you have a car, you have a house, you have, you have a great job, you have a bank account, you've got resources at your fingertips. And God is saying to you and me, you are a manager. You are to manage what God's been, God has entrusted to you. And by the way, this is what a Christian is. So here we, here we are, and we need to discuss this. We need to discuss what does it mean to be a steward of the great king. If you are a Christian today, I'd like you to say with me, I am a steward of the king of kings. I am a steward of the king of kings. Excellent. we got lots of stewards here, lots of people who understand that their job is to manage what God has entrusted to them. Now, let me just read to you uh, this portion of Luke chapter 12, where Jesus helps us understand what stewards do, what managers do. So he says in Luke chapter 12, in verse 35, he says, be dressed for service and keep your lamps burning as though you were waiting for your master to return from the wedding feast. Then you will be ready to open the door and let him in the moment he arrives and knocks. The servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. Hmm. Are you going to be rewarded when Jesus comes? How many know that Jesus is returning soon? Will you be rewarded? Jesus says, I tell you the truth. He himself will set them, will seat them, put on an apron, and serve them as they sit and eat. He may come in the middle of the night or just before dawn, but whenever he comes, he will reward the servants who are ready. What do we mean by that? We're talking about the servants who've been good stewards, who have managed the resources well, the servants who are looking to the things of the master, looking to the things of the king, and not looking to their own matters. Does this make sense to you today? 
Do you know if you're a Christian today that your, your number one purpose, your number one desire, longing, ambition is to further and advance the kingdom of God? Did you know that? That's what you're, this is what Cross Church is about. So Peter asked, Lord, um, is that illustration just for us or is it for everyone? And the Lord replied, a faithful, sensible steward is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his own household and his other household, taking care of the servants. If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there'll be a reward. I tell you the truth, the master will put that servant in charge of all that he owns. You see that? Because you've been faithful in a little, God entrusts more to you. Some of you will continue to live in poverty because you cannot get it out of your head that it's not about you. Some of you will never shake loose of the poverty mentality that you have until you understand that you are a steward of God and God commands that we give and share and advance his work on earth as it is in heaven. So look at that. I tell you the truth. The master will put that servant in charge of all that he owns. You will be given more to manage. But what if the servant thinks, well, my master won't be back for a while, and he begins beating the other servants and partying and getting drunk? Jesus says the master will return unannounced and unexpected, and he will cut the servant to pieces and banish him with the unfaithful. And a servant who knows what the master wants but isn't prepared and doesn't carry out those instructions will be severely punished. But someone who does not know and then does something wrong will be punished only lightly. And when someone has been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. Let's take a look at, the, at those two verses, or that verse 48. When someone who does not know and then does something wrong will be punished only lightly. So I'm sorry to break it to you folks, but now you are not in this category anymore. You are now in the category of people who know better. Thanks a lot, Pastor Alan, for putting me in this position. <laughs> you are now people that know better. So now you are going to be uh, judged differently than those who are ignorant. And Jesus says, when someone has been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. Now, I think a reason why a lot of people don't give anything ever is, is that they think, well, my little gift is not going to make a difference, so why bother? But how many know that that the, the honey hive is full because one tiny little bee is faithful in bringing in his portion. How many know what I'm saying tonight? You get what I'm saying? Every little bee does his part and the, and the honeycomb is overflowing with honey. That's what God wants. He wants everybody to be faithful in doing his or her part. But the question is this. Will you live for yourself or will you live for the master? Will you pursue your own desires, your own gain, your own goals, or will you pursue the goals and the gain of the master? If you are a Christian today, then you must understand there's only one right answer to those questions. 
And that is this, you have got to be pursuing the work of the master. Because someday, how many know that you're going to stand before Jesus someday? Someday you're going to stand before Jesus, and Jesus is going to look at how you lived your life. And what did you do with what was entrusted to you? What did you do with your time, treasure, and talent? And then God's going to judge based on that. The Bible's clear that we've all been given much, especially here in North America. And some have been entrusted with even more. And I'm going to tell you, God expects us to be wise stewards, not just blowing what we have on ourselves, but making sure that God meets the needs of others through us. Did you get that? Someone says, where's, if you're in Bruni, where's God? I'll tell you where God is. God's showing up on Wednesday in Burundi through Janet, Denny, and Alan. That's how, that's how God cares for the people of this world. It's through his people, through his church, through all his busy little bees, bringing in their little bit of honey, making it possible for us to bless the world. Amen? Amen. That's who we are. That's what we do. So you say, well, Pastor Allen, how can I give my time? I'm not sure I really understand what it means to give my time. Well, let me just quickly tell you, and it may shock you. When you give of your time, it begins, first of all, with the time that you give to God. We call this habit number one. It's having a daily walk with God. So you begin your day by praying and reading your Bible. How many knew that, that that's what God expects? He's expecting you to give your time, to meet with him every day. And by the way, here's the thing. When you meet with the king of kings every morning in your devotions, then the, the king can give you marching orders. So you have to give of your time or you won't know what the king wants of you. You won't know what you're supposed to do. You won't know what you're not supposed to do. You won't know how you're supposed to help people in need. The second thing you need to do is you need to give your time by showing up in church every Sunday. Hello. One pastor said that they count, if a person comes to church twice a month, they count that regular attendance. I call that, well, I won't tell you what I call it, but anyway, (laughs) you could call it whatever you want, but we all know the truth. You give of your time. You're meeting with God's people. You're, you're, you're showing up to serve. How else do you give of your time? Well, by being in a small group. You say, Pastor Allen, how, how can that be a blessing? Well, I'm going to tell you, in our small group, we're learning how to care for one another. Right, Deb? Deb's in our small group. We try to take care of each other. We love each other. We provide for one another. We call each other when we're, when we're not well. We visit each other. And I know that there's a lot of small groups that are doing that. Pastor Allen, I didn't know any of this. I didn't know that, that when I give my time to my small group, that that is actually uh, being a good steward of my time. You better believe it. Because in the context of the small group, you grow. In the context of the small group, you care for one another. In the context of the small group, you, you reach out. It's fantastic. Pastor Allen, how else? Can I give up my time for the glory of God? Well, habit number five is serve. We need people serving here every Sunday. Some of you have not, haven't served in church for years and years. And I'm telling you, uh, you, know, you, you do whatever you want, but someday you're going to answer to Jesus for this. Ouch. Pastor Allen, don't take that attitude with me. Hey, listen, I'm just telling you what I know the Scripture tells me. The Bible tells me that every one of us has been given gifts and talents. And you're not supposed to bury those talents, and you're, uh, you're not allowed to just hoard it for yourself. The Bible calls you to serve, to use what God's entrusted to you. 
Amen? How else can I, how else can I share my time? How else can I use my time for the glory of God? Well, habit number six, discipleship. You need to share your faith. You need to invite people to church. Oh, pastor, I'm inviting people to church is such a hassle because then I have to take them out for lunch after and then I have to sit with them in church. Yeah, it's terrible, isn't it? <laughs> and yet that's exactly what Jesus is telling us to do. Give of your time. Bless people. Bring them to church. Take them out for lunch. In fact, ask me. Maybe I'll go with you. And if you want to buy, I'll be there for sure. <laughs> See, we're giving of our time. You say, well, Pastor John, that's great. Now I know how to give of my time, but how do I give of my talent? Well, everybody here, like I said, is, well, I love what Paul says in Ephesians. He says that God has created each and every one of us as a masterpiece, created to do good works. So everybody here has got gifts. I look at this, just this front row right here. Everybody in this front row has been given special gifts by God. I don't know about the second row, but the third, no, I'm kidding. Everybody here has got gifts. Anybody doesn't have a gift? Anybody? Anybody? No talents at all. You're just, you're useless. Put your hand up. No, okay. Of course you're not useless. God created you as a masterpiece, created to do good works, Right? And so the Bible says you have to use your talents. You've got to use those skills for the glory of God. And my job as your pastor is to help you to find that place where you can use your talents. So if you're not sure, come talk to me. I've got tests I can administer. You fill in the test and it'll, it'll magically tell you what your gift is. But I'm guessing you probably already know. So we talked about your time. We talked about your talent. What about your treasure? Now, for a lot of people, you're thinking, ah, he's talking about tithing again. I'm not just talking about tithing. I'm talking about giving for, for mosquito nets. I, you know, just, just before I came out here, I was told in the hallway that $1,000 just came in for the mosquito nets. I think that will neatly take care. Let's, let's just give the Lord a hand. Wow. You know, we're taking care of the kids who are dying, kids that don't have parents. We're taking care of people in our community up north. We're sending hampers, shoe boxes around the world. We're giving to keep the lights on so that you can keep giving the pastor a salary so that I can keep doing the work that I got to do. You see what I'm saying? It's not just about the church needs my, wants my money. It's about working together to advance God's kingdom. How many know today there's a whole world living in darkness that's looking for truth, for hope, for life, and if the church doesn't show up to do the job, how will they ever know? It's our job to make sure that the truth is sent out there. And I'm gonna tell you, every gift that you give to make sure that children are not dying of malaria, that they've got food in their bellies, is a testimony to them about the love and the greatness of a loving God who cares and doesn't want them to be alone. This is our job. We're stewards of what God's entrusted to us. If you want to know what it is to enjoy an abundant life, folks, start giving. And watch how God will start entrusting more and more and more to you. You will be absolutely shocked and amazed at God's rich provision in your life. Do you know what? Now, I told you one story already. Here's a second story. Last Sunday, uh, a young couple came to me. They got a, they got a, a family family. Uh, he was out without work for a while, 
And he said, you know, Pastor Ong, when after I saw that video clip of Andrew Thunder talking about, about the hampers for up north, he said, we just felt that we needed to, to write a check for $200 to buy a hamper. And I thought, of all people, I thought, man, this is, you know, you know they, would, they would be excused. They would be given a pass for not giving because they've been without work and uh, things have been tight. But they went ahead and they gave the $200 and they bought a hamper. Come to my office with tears, tears in his eyes, and he says, we just gave the $200 for the hamper, and then we were just handed a check for $200 as an appreciation for some work that we'd done. He said, I, you just can't, you can't outgive God. God meets the needs. I give, and God gives back. That was, the, that was the first story I told you about. I gave my tithes, and I get a check from the government. Now, look, at, I'm not saying money's going to fall out of heaven. But it'll be amazing ways that God provides for you and meets your way, you meet your needs and in such miraculous ways. So the fact of the matter is, folks, is that you and I are stewards. We're called by God to give of our time, our treasure, and our talent. Because the fact of the matter is, to whom much has been given, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. So let me ask you this, what's it going to be like for you on the day of judgment? Pastor Allen, you sure put a fine point on it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Can I just remind you of what Jesus says here? He says, that is why I tell you, do not worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear, for life is more than food and your body more than clothing. Well, if that's the case, what is, what is life about actually? I'll tell you very simply, life is about fulfilling the will of God on earth as it is in heaven. You ready to get that? Doing God's will on earth as it is in heaven. And so if you are busy pursuing God's will, then you don't have time to worry about the food you're going to eat or the clothes you're going to wear. Everybody get that? You're saying, God, I want to do your will. You set out to do God's will and watch as someone said, God's will, God's bill. Isn't that good? You do God's will, and God will provide and meet the need. With God's calling comes his enabling. So you've got to stop worrying about the food and the clothing and all the things that everybody worries about and start concentrating on fulfilling God's will and watch what God's going to do. Watch how God's going to provide for you. Because I'm going to tell you, there's something far better than winning a million dollars, and here's what it is. It's actually being a channel of God's blessing. It's being part of God's great plan to bless the people of this world. Do you get that? So are you a partner with God or not? You've got to stop worrying, people. You have to stop worrying. I'm going to tell you, worry is a sin, and I'll tell you why. First of all, because Jesus tells us not to worry, Right? And what is sin? Sin is, is, is failing to do the will of God. Jesus says, do not worry. So when you are worrying, here's what's happening. When you're worrying, you need to know that worry is the opposite of faith. And the Bible says that without faith, no one will see the Lord. Do you understand that? The evidence that you are converted, that you are a Christian, is that you put your faith in God. But when you're worrying, worry is the opposite of faith. Because what you're saying when you worry is that you're saying, God, I don't trust you. You're saying, God, 
I don't believe that you really love me and will meet my needs. When you worry, what you're saying is, God, I don't believe that you're omnipotent. I don't believe that you're able to take care of me. I don't think you're able to take care of my family. God, I don't believe that you will take care of me and my family. When you're worried, you're saying to God, God, I won't obey you because I'm not sure things are going to work out. So folks, listen to me. I don't need your money. And God doesn't need your money because God owns it all and he will meet his needs and he will take care of this world the way that that he always does. But you need to give for the sake of your own soul, for your own spiritual well-being, for your own spiritual wholeness, for your own spiritual growth and development. It's taking that step, that leap of faith. It's, it's leaving behind your religion and entering into the supernatural life. This is what I want. I want to know the power of Almighty God at work in my life every day. Amen? I want to know the power and the glory and the wonder of hearing the voice of God, the direction of the Holy Spirit leading me into what he wants me to do. Worry is the opposite of faith. And worry is also the opposite of worship. We say worship, it comes from the English, worth, worth, W-O-R-T-H, ship, worship. We, we, are, we are ascribing to God, we're giving to God the value, the worth that he deserves. So when you uh, are worrying, you know what you're saying? You're, you're declaring that God is not good. When I say God is good, is that really from your heart or is that just the mechanical response? Because it's very easy to come to church and be religious and mechanical. But God wants us from the very depths of our being, from the very depths of our heart to worship him as he calls us to worship him. If you're worrying, folks, you're declaring that God does not care about you. How many know today that God does care about you? Hello? <laughs> that was pretty weak. How many believe that God cares about you? Yeah. And how do we know it? Well, first of all, because he declares it. And secondly, because he proves it in his every action. So if you're here worshiping God on Sunday morning, I hope that you've moved beyond the mechanical and the religious, and now you are declaring your own personal experience with God. And so I, I came up with another algorithm for you. We we're talking about the new way of living, a new way to live. So you understand that you are a steward. I am the king's steward. Say it. I'm a king's steward. I am the king's steward. And the question is, do you have a problem? And whether the answer is yes or no, The question remains, is Jesus Christ your king and your savior? If the answer is no, I can't help you. You've come to the wrong place. But if the answer is yes, then here's what you're going to do. You're going to stop worrying. You're going to start obeying the king. You're going to start giving because Jesus said to give, give, and you shall receive. And your gift will be pressed down, shaken together, running over. You'll have more than you need. You say, Pastor, what does it mean to give? Well, give of your time. I've already discussed that. Give of your treasure. I've discussed that. Give of your talent. 
And the outcome, and this is what Luke 12 is all about, the outcome is that you will enjoy God's rich provision in your life. All your needs will be met. Some are not sure about this yet. Okay, I'll just keep going until we all get this. (laughs) You will know God's rich provision in your life. So here's what you need to know. As a steward of the great king, You are obeying the king and you're doing whatever he says. And by the way, that is precisely why we're going to Burundi. Not because we can afford it, but because it's a need, it's God's will. And so we say, yes, Lord, we will go and then God will meet the need. Do you get how this works? This is how it works in your life. You see your neighbor in need, you see a a relative in need, a friend in need, and you meet the need believing that God is going to meet your need as you provide for others. Wow. Hey, I know who the real Christians are. And I'm not going around judging anybody. But the, Jesus says in, in Matthew chapter 7 that we know a tree by its fruit. We, we know, we know who belongs to Christ and who doesn't. There's many people who call themselves Christians, and they're only concerned about whether or not they're going to heaven when they die. If you think that that's all you need to worry about as a Christian, am I going to heaven when I die? You totally don't get Christianity at all. You obviously haven't read the Bible. You certainly haven't read the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. A real Christian? Here's what a real Christian is. Are you ready for this? A real Christian is always concerned about obeying the master, King Jesus. That's what a real Christian is. You want to obey the king. You want to do his will on earth as it is in heaven. And so therefore, this is why we came up with this disclaimer. The pastor and elders are seeing a shortfall in general giving. And we understand that this is a spiritual problem amongst God's people. And this is why we address it. Now, I've been here for 25 years, and here's what I've experienced. God has met our need every single year without fail. We always, God always provides for us. But here's the thing, folks. My job as your pastor is to help you get to that place where you are spiritually healthy. And here's what I know. I know that one of the great indicators of your spiritual health and growth and development is that you are a faithful giver. Now, this faithful giving is between you and God. I don't go to the records to see, hmm, did Gloria Duncalf give? Hmm. She does, by the way. (laughs) I don't do that. Because this is between you and God. It's spiritual. It's a spiritual matter between you and God. And so I look at the bottom line and I say, okay, obviously we're not giving the way we could. Hey, do you realize that if everybody in our church just simply gave their their 10%, their tithe, we could go and start a new church immediately. We'd have enough money to go plant another church. Every single need would be met. So we know as elders that people are falling short here. So there's only, uh, we, there's three questions that come to mind. Are you, are you really converted? Maybe you're, maybe you're unconverted. Maybe you're not, you're not born again yet. Because if you're not born again, you're not gonna give. Are you, are you just, maybe just being disobedient to God? Well, here's what I know. If you are disobedient to the king, you will come under the discipline of God. In fact, Jesus tells us that in Luke 12. Read it, you'll see. You will be punished harshly, Jesus says. Then the third question is, are you just worried? Now, now some of us just, you know, we just, oh, I'm such a worrywart. <laughs> my, my mother, my grandmother, we were all, they were all worrywarts. I'm just like them. <laughs> 
It's not a laughing matter. This is serious. It's a sp- serious spiritual problem. And so for this reason, we had to do this series to help us determine whether or not we were where God wanted us to be. So I want to close with this reminder. When someone has been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. You are a steward. Now, don't go comparing yourself to other people because you're going to say, oh, yeah, compared to him, I give a lot. Don't do that. Because when you stand before Christ someday, Jesus is not going to say, oh, let's take Gloria right here and take Janet here. Let's see, which one gave more? Hmm. Janet gave more. Gloria, bad girl. That's not how it works. God is going to compare you to you, not to anybody else. And the question is this. Have you been living an obedient life to the king? Being a good steward of what he's entrusted to you. Here's the thing that I've discovered. People who give regularly, people who tithe, are disciplined, are disciplined in the management of their finances. People who don't tithe are lazy and undisciplined. They're in debt up to their eyes, all messed up. They don't know if they're coming or going financially. The wonderful thing is when you understand that you are a steward, you start paying attention to how your money is being spent. And some had said, to be a good steward, you simply need to give 10% to God, 10% to savings, and learn to live on 80%. Every single person that I know who tithes, who gives, is, a, is, is disciplined in their giving. They may not be disciplined in other areas of their life, but when it comes to their finances, they're, they're well-disciplined. And this is what God wants. He wants us to properly spend our money in a way that brings glory to his name. John Wesley said, earn as much as you can, Give as much as you can, save as much as you can. And I'm going to tell you that at the end of his life, John Wesley learned how to live on 20% of his income, giving away vast amounts of it. Folks, this is what it means to be a steward. You understand that God has called you to give. I want to close with this. You know, Gloria and I, right from the day we got married 30 years ago, we decided we were giving 10% to God and 10% to missions of our income, our small little income. This became the standard for our lives, and we've tried to grow ever since then. Now, why am I telling you this? Well, I'm, going to t- I'm telling you this because for us and for our kids, we have learned that God will provide for us and meet all of our needs. We don't have to worry about a thing for, for ourselves. We have learned how to live worry-free, and so we don't worry. And so when, the, when, when I'm told the budget's a little low, it's not where it needs to be, I don't worry about it. Because I know God provides. I know that. We know that for ourselves. But here's, when Satan, here's, what, here's what Satan whispers in my ear. Because Satan whispers in everybody's ear. So you can't afford to give. Don't do it. You won't have enough. You won't, have, you won't be able to make ends meet. How many know what I'm talking about? Say amen. Yeah. He's constantly working on you. Don't, don't do it. Don't do it. Well, Satan works on me. And he says to me, Alan, you're teaching everybody to give no matter what. But what if it doesn't come in? What if it doesn't work for them? What if your teaching and your preaching doesn't work for everybody? But here's the the thing, folks. 
Paul says in, in, in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 13.1, everything is established on the witness of two or three people. So I told you about the lady who gave a lump sum of money and immediately got that money back. I gave you about, I told you about the young man who came to my office on Sunday, last Sunday. I gave $200 to the hamper fund and I got the money back. I want to share one more story with you. And it's a young family that's recently started coming to our church. And this is what this person says. And by the way, I asked permission to share these. I hope you and your loved ones are doing well. So I wanted to take the time to say thank you for your sermons on tithing and trusting God with our needs. We've been so tight for cash. We have some debt to pay off, which has been a lot for us. And I've been looking for a job for six months. I currently work for my father-in-law at his clinic, but only 10 hours a week. I have eight years of office experience and no callbacks. But once we started tithing again and choosing to live a worry-free life, things have started happening. I got a job yesterday that I'm really excited for. Because I have a lot of experience, my current wage is higher than most starting positions. And I was always confused as to why places that paid below the wage never called me. Did you get that? At my interview, they asked how much I'm currently making, and I told them, but I also said I would understand if they wanted to pay me below that since I'm just starting out. And they immediately replied saying they will match my current wage, no decrease in wage. Wow! That's totally God. He totally had this job ready for me. We just needed to start having faith in him with our financial situation. Today is my first training shift there, so thank you. The messages have really opened our hearts to what God can do if we stop worrying and start trusting him. Hallelujah. Let's stand together. Father, we thank you today for what you are doing in the hearts and the lives of your people at Cross Church. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you would give us the grace, the wisdom, the strength to trust you and to start living like the stewards you want us to be. Help us to give our time, our treasure, and our talent, God, so that we may be found to be faithful, good and faithful servants. We want to hear you say that on the day we stand before you. So God, we commit ourselves to you now, thanking you for the privilege of living a worry-free life through obeying the king. And we pray that in Jesus' name. And everyone said it. Amen. Tell the person beside you, go obey the king. So many years Have you been hoping That things would have changed by now Have you cried all the faith you have Through so many tears Don't forget the things that he has done It's like the brightest sunrise waiting on the end.